With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's business time, baby. You are listening to Solo Monster Sounds Off. It's such good shit. Mama Monster. Conquered my home. You're like frightening a woman. Your behavior just hasn't been very oozy. Oh my God, we're only an hour in. Eric Bischoff is an idiot. We have two more hours of this. Maybe the single stupidest idiot that ever got into wrestling. Who writes this stuff? Bruce? Come over here and fight me. I'm the Sala Monster, damn it. <laughs> Not often I stream until 3.30 in the morning. And I still had almost 3,000 people hanging out with me, even at that hour. So thank you for that. Uh, It was a long night. I woke up this morning on four hours of sleep, dead to the world. And then I watched Jay Briscoe's funeral service. They streamed it live. And as sad as it all is, watching Mark Briscoe eulogize his brother put a smile on my face. He spoke from the heart, off the cuff, no notes. You know, watching him describe how they would wrestle as kids and Jay pretending to come out to Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme song and Mark coming out to Shawn Michaels' Sexy Boy theme, which is hilarious for so many reasons. I mean, I I love Mark, but he looks more like one of the Moondogs than he does HBK. But it reminded me so much of me and my own brother, Uh, and probably a lot of you too. You probably have similar stories with your own siblings when you were younger. Uh, and that's what these two were. They were young wrestling fans who uh, had a dream to grow up and do it for a living. And that's exactly what they ended up do- not only doing it for a living, but doing it at a high level. Uh, this was just wonderful. Just a wonderful stream of consciousness speech that, you know, at times was funny. At times it was very sad. It gave you a real sense of who Jay Briscoe was. And I will tell you, though, one thing I learned is that Reach for the Sky Boy, which we hear Jay say at the beginning of their entrance music, actually came from the movie Toy Story, uh, which he watched a bunch of times with his kids, and he would cry when he watched the movie. Uh, That's where it came from, when Woody would say, Reach for the Sky. If you're so inclined, you can watch the service. It should be archived on the Laurel School District YouTube page under Jamin Pugh Funeral Service. This is episode 793 of the Sala Monster Sounds Off for Sunday, January 29th, 2023. I am the Sala Monster. Thank you guys not only for uh, hanging out with me last night and all the support, uh, but all the support all week long. And if you would like to make a PayPal donation, you may do so on thesalamonster.com. You'll see the link right there at the top of the link tree. $10 or more will get you a nickname and a shout out. I want to shout out our PayPal producers for this week. The Portland pop star, Paul Hamilton. Coming in hot, as he always does. Night Stalker, Nayef Al-Safar, Big B, Brian Pacera, Killshot, Keith Hart, Ms. Madness, Michelle Mills, the Chicago Slayer, Willie Eichard, Velvet Revolver, Robert Murray, the Diamond Dallas Dance Machine, Harrison Soep, the Wichita Workhorse, Clayton Nettleton, New York Punk, Arnold Modesto, No Mercy, Nick Horacek, the Iowan Corn Farmer, Jesse Lampier, the Dean of Mean, 
Devlin Husband. Enjoy the cruise, brother. Sherrod, Big Daddy Boyd. And to Jessica, thank you. Makes me happy that you have been enjoying the live streams. Always remember, one day at a time. Chris from Bethlehem would like to send a big congrats to his friend Jose for dropping 89 pounds in the last 10 months. And two birthday shout-outs, one for his friend Christina, who is a hard-working mom of three, and to his wife Angelina, who is an incredibly strong woman for what she has been going through lately, and he is always there for her. The mongrel, GM Harrison, who has started a new venture called Mongrel Wrestling, which is now live and online. It's a website focused on all things wrestling, with previews and predictions, reviews, historical pieces, special features like wrestling what-ifs. Check out mongrelwrestling.com, and uh, be sure to bookmark the site. They've got more content coming in the weeks ahead. And uh, one more time here, I want you guys to go check out the Lightning Link Lounge. If you like playing games online, you want to try to win some moolah, the Lightning Link Lounge is the place to be. You can play slots, keno, poker games as well. There are thousands of games to choose from. They pay winners daily. For more information, search for Lightning Link Lounge on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. You have to be 18 years or older to play. Ages may vary outside the U.S., and ID is required. Just text 727-910-8809 to get started. And uh, with this being the end of the Royal Rumble here, our 10th annual Royal Rumble pool on Facebook has come and gone. I want to say thank you, as I always do, to Zach Holker for organizing the entire thing. Julian Cannon as well for uh, all of his support. We had over 1,600 entries this year across 50 pools. Uh, I was not so lucky, drawing number 25. I had Austin Theory and Michelle McCool. I knew I wasn't winning shit, uh, but congrats to all those who did. Last night was the Royal Rumble, which set a live gate record for a Rumble of $7 million. That's the second highest non-WrestleMania U.S. gate in history. Uh, they claimed somewhere around 50,000, which you know, legitimately they may have had that many people in the building. It was a big crowd. At the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. There was no surprise appearance from The Rock on this show. There was no great swerve to make people think The Rock, you know, can't get in shape in time for the show. Or that he's, you know, posting Instagram photos as he was on the set of his latest movie. But, oh, it's just, you know, it's just to make make us think that he's really going to be in San... He's not going to be in San Antonio, but then he'll show up. Right? People talking about the lightning bolts in the poster for the show. The electricity, right? People... You know, people still thought The Rock might show up. Uh, his mother was there. His mother was in the crowd last night, uh, but The Rock did not show. And in the post-show press conference, Triple H made it very clear that the man is very busy. And right now, it just is not in the cards. He said he is incredibly busy. There is a part of him that if he could be here for this WrestleMania in Hollywood, he would turn over every stone and walk through fire to be able to do it. I just don't think it's in the cards. That respect factor both ways. He would not want to do this unless he could absolutely do it. There's no way he would show up here and half-ass it. There's no way he would show up here and not come in and put every single thing into it to make it the best that it could possibly be. So unless he could do that, it won't happen. We always have conversations with him because he loves it so much and we would love for him to be part of it. He's the biggest star in Hollywood, maybe the most recognizable person on the planet. This is his home. He has an open invitation. We don't lock the door. But he's incredibly busy. 
But he knows the door is open. When he has the time to walk through it, he can come in and electrify everybody. This does not mean, by the way, that The Rock will not be at WrestleMania this year, but it does close the door on Rock Wrestling at WrestleMania. And if The Rock is not wrestling at WrestleMania this year, of all years, in Hollywood, to do the big rumored match that's been talked about for a couple of years now with his cousin, then it's never going to happen. I think we have seen the last of The Rock uh, in the ring in a big main event program. But again, he, he could very well be there. He could still factor into the show in some way, make an appearance, hit a rock bottom, do something like that. But he does not need to be at WrestleMania. When you see the things they set in motion last night on this show, we don't need The Rock at WrestleMania. Last night's Royal Rumble was highlighted by an outstanding closing angle, one of the best that I have ever seen, ever, on a wrestling show in all my years of being a fan. It was the best finish to a Royal Rumble pay-per-view, and it did not even involve the Royal Rumble match, and we have two of them now on the show. And usually I hate that. When the pay-per-view does not end with the Royal Rumble match itself, uh, I am not a fan of that. But how can you hate on that closing angle that we got last night? The storytelling was a masterclass. And the stage was set on the pre-show last night when we got the bloodline in the back. Roman was not happy about Sami Zayn disobeying him and showing up on SmackDown Friday night, which he told him he didn't want him to. Jey Uso said, well, it's my fault. I called him in. I called in a favor. And Roman said, look, tonight the twins, you guys are going to stay in the back. It's going to be me. It's going to be the wise man. And it's going to be Sami Zayn. He's going to be attached to my hip. He is coming to the ring with me. There was no mention of this final test that Roman teased on Raw Monday night. Although we would find out later on what that test would be. But that set the stage for what eventually came in the main event. It was Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens. They went on last last night for the Undisputed Championship. So you knew they were shooting some kind of big angle. If the Royal Rumble was not going on last, maybe it would be The Rock. Maybe, maybe you know, this was going to be the night that, you know, Sammy got whacked. Something was going to happen at the end of this show. This was Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens in their third match for the Universal title at a Royal Rumble inside the Alamo Dome. This was the worst of the three title matches. As a match, it just was not as good as those other two. But this wasn't about the match. The match was there to set up the post-match. And that. Those, those other two stories couldn't touch what they did last night. And that's what wrestling is really about more than anything else. It's about the story. This is already some of the best storytelling this company has ever done. You know, 40 plus years, 50, 60 years. We had Roman and Kevin Owens, they had their match. And Roman Reigns wins the match. The entire time you see the look on Sami Zayn's face as Kevin Owens is being beaten down, but he won't quit, he won't give up. It took three spears, but in the end, Roman Reigns got the pin. Rest of the bloodline comes down to the ring. Solo Sokoa is out there. The Usos are out there. They're going to put the, you know, tribal lay on Sami Zayn. Jey Uso is going to put it around Sami's neck. And Roman stopped him and said, not yet. We're not ready yet. And they proceed to savagely beat down Kevin Owens. As savagely as you can do a beatdown like this without blood. All right? If this, if this were AEW, the entire ring would have been, it would have been one giant pool of blood. 
but there are certain limitations here to the PG product that WWE has. So even though an angle like this really could have used uh, some color, you kind of knew we were not going to be getting that. But they beat the hell out of Kevin Owens. And they handcuffed him to the top rope. And they gave him 12 super kicks in a row from Jimmy and Jey Uso. They got a chair in the ring. Roman Reigns was threatening to hit Kevin Owens, a defenseless Kevin Owens, with the steel chair. And it was Sami Zayn who stood in his way and stopped him from doing so. And he was trying to convince Roman, you don't have to do this. You're better than this. You made your point. He's defenseless. You don't have to do this. And so Roman gave the chair to Sammy and says, here, you do it. This was the test. This was the final test of loyalty that Roman Reigns talked about on Monday night. And Sami Zayn was very conflicted. Sami Zayn had the chair in his hand. You know, and and Roman's getting very angry. He's getting very frustrated. He starts pie-facing Sammy in the face, and it's building, right? The tension is building in the crowd. Everybody is standing on their feet. They know something big is about to go down. And Roman turns his back to Sammy to go start talking some smack to Kevin Owens, and there's Sammy. The image of Sammy Zayn standing there with Roman's back turned. He's got the chair in his hand debating what he should do. And then finally, Sammy Zayn makes his choice. And he puts the chair in Roman's back. And the way Roman sold it, it was just like when Seth Rollins put the chair in his back to break up the shield. All those years ago. The pop for this, when he hit him in the back with that chair, the pop for this was as loud as anything that I have heard in years. Sammy drops the chair, he turns to Jay. Not even Jimmy, who's standing right there. He's looking at Jay to tell him, I'm sorry. And Jey Uso is practically in tears. He's yelling at him. What are you doing? I thought we were brothers. And Jimmy kicks Sammy and then he starts yelling at Jay and says, You think he's your brother? I'm your brother. And he pounces on Sammy, solo attacks Sammy. But Jay can't do it. He walks out on his family and that look up at Roman as Jay was leaving the ring. That look on his face brought it all back to the early days of main event Jay Uso. And how this entire bloodline story began three years ago. Remember? I hate you. Him yelling at Roman, I hate you. Why you gotta do me like that? I hate you. It was the mind manipulation from Roman Reigns. This is as much a Jey Uso story as it is a Sami Zayn story. Frankly, maybe more so a Jey Uso story. The Jey Uso character arc has been fantastic. Now, I know some people don't even think it should be Sammy against Roman and Mania, let alone Cody, that it should be Jey Uso. And I understand that. I understand people thinking that. I think it's just a testament to how well they've developed this story. But you need to look at the bigger picture. Where does Jey Uso go after that? Right? It sounds great in the moment, but then what? If you do Roman Reigns against Jey Uso at WrestleMania, then what? People react emotionally to these things sometimes without really thinking them through. If you split him away from the bloodline, you split him away from his brother. Unless Jimmy ends up coming along with him. But you're not going to split up their best tag team. Both Usos could ultimately wake up to the fact that their cousin has just been using them. That that could be the eventual disintegration of the bloodline. And I don't think the bloodline is ending uh, at WrestleMania. But all factions eventually... You know, people go their separate ways. So that that could, be, in the end, be the story when it comes to the Usos, that they kind of wake up to what Roman has been doing. But Jay Uso is not going to be beating Roman Reigns. 
The story heading into the Elimination Chamber next month should be Roman Reigns against Sami Zayn. And where does Jey Uso's allegiance lie? They could milk this for the next four weeks. Or three weeks, I guess, because the Elimination Chamber is on the 18th. So they have less than a month. But they can milk this for a few more weeks on TV. And then, in Montreal, the match you do is Sami Zayn in his hometown. Challenging Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Championship. You don't put them in the chamber. You don't put them in a six-man tag. You have Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn one-on-one. You think you're better than me? You want to hit me with a chair after everything I've done for you? You want to break up my family when we welcomed you as one of our own? It's going to be you and me one-on-one to end this once and for all. That's all the setup you need. And Sami Zayn finally has awoken to the fact that Roman has been using him and manipulating him this entire time exactly as Kevin Owens told him. He just didn't want to believe it. But in that moment at the Royal Rumble, he realized that KO was right this entire time. And he's been acting like a damn fool. At Elimination Chamber then, Jey Uso makes his choice. Last night, Sami Zayn made his choice. Jey Uso at the Elimination Chamber can make his. Which would be to help Roman Reigns. In the end, he falls back in line. Jey goes back home. To his family. Roman wins at the Chamber, and we get Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens against the Usos at WrestleMania for the undisputed tag team titles. With Cody Rhodes challenging Roman Reigns for the championship... You know, it's like his music says, wrestling has more than one royal family. It's not the Samoans, it's not the bloodline, it's the Rhodes family. And Cody has his own story arc to complete, to try to win the title that his father never did, that his father had taken away from him. It's the story he told on Raw almost a year ago. Could you put Cody's story off until SummerSlam and do Roman and Sammy at WrestleMania instead? Yes, of course, you could do that. But Montreal is the right place for Sami Zayn to get his shot. And I believe that whoever beats Roman Reigns, whoever that person is who finally dethrones Roman Reigns, should be the next person they build around, not for 800 days or 900 days, because we're not going to see another run like this for years, maybe ever, frankly, ever again in this company. And I'm sure it's very tempting for them to have Roman Reigns hold on until the end of May, so he could hit that thousand-day mark as the champion. You know, Sammy would be a hell of a payoff, but for short-term gain. Cody is the guy they are going to build around as their champion after Roman. I would not hate it if Sammy beat Roman. I think that would be a fabulous payoff to the story, but we need to be realistic about this. There is a reason that they are doing that pay-per-view in Montreal. Their first pay-per-view in Montreal in almost 15 years. There is a reason they picked that show on that date for that city. And yeah, I mean, they could call an audible, they could have Sammy win the Elimination Chamber, get a big win in his hometown, get a shot at Roman, then at WrestleMania. Cody's already won the Royal Rumble. You completely overshadow that if Sammy gets a title match at WrestleMania. And you screw up the Mania plans for Kevin Owens and for the Usos. So you may not like it, but that is where the story is headed. And I think that is the appropriate direction for the story to be headed. But I cannot say enough good things about what they did at the close of that show last night. Now, Triple H went the predictable route for this year's Royal Rumble winners. uh, But he made the right choices in Cody Rhodes and Rhea Ripley. I didn't think either Rumble match was all that fun until the finishes. I liked the finishes for both. I thought the finishes were very good. 
uh, especially in the women's match. I enjoyed the women's rumble a little bit more than I did the men's Royal Rumble this year. And we also got some NXT names in the women's rumble, unlike the men's. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cody said that he was not even officially cleared until he got to the building yesterday. It was, you know, it was more or less a formality, but it was, it was very strange to, to announce the man for the rumble and build him up with weeks of vignettes on TV without officially having him cleared to work the show. Uh, he entered last and number 30. That makes two years in a row on the men's side that the number 30 entrant has gone on to win the entire thing. Last year it was Brock Lesnar. And both last year and this year, Brock Lesnar lasted right around the same amount of time. Right around two and a half minutes. This year, he was eliminated by Bobby Lashley. Two years in a row that Brock Lesnar has fallen to Lashley at the Royal Rumble. Brock does not spend much time in that ring. (laughs) But the time that he does spend out there, he's like a tornado. It touches down, leaves nothing but destruction in its wake. He went into full-on rage mode after he got eliminated, and we did get a brief face-off in the match with Brock and Gunther. Uh, I don't think they're teasing a WrestleMania match this year. It's something they could come back to down the road, maybe at SummerSlam. Uh, But we got a we got a little glimpse. Not they didn't give too much away, Uh, but we did get a standoff between them, and Brock did uh, suplex him. Gunther and Sheamus entered one and two. Sheamus hung in there for fifty-two minutes. On his 45th birthday. But it was Gunther who had the Iron Man performance at 71 minutes. The all-time traditional Royal Rumble record. He beat out Rey Mysterio from 2006. He did not beat out Daniel Bryan. If you count the greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia. That was an hour and 16 minutes. Uh, He eliminated five men. Which tied with Cody for the most eliminations this year. He dumped Sheamus and Drew McIntyre together. All by himself. And he was in there right up until the very end. You know, the the entrances were coming pretty fast. I mean, I don't think they were even waiting the full 90 seconds for for some of them. So then you say to yourself, how do we get a 71-minute rumble? Because Cody and Gunther basically had a 10-minute match at the end of it. That's how. (laughs) They They had a match at the end of the Royal Rumble. Cody was getting chopped right in that, right in that peck. And, uh, these were no ordinary chops. These were Walter chops. Right, these these were not Ric Flair chops. These were not pork chops. These were Walter chops. Uh, I like to think that the way they cleared Cody that day was having him take chops in the back from Walter to see how he reacted. Uh, and when the peck did not re-tear, that's when they cleared him. But Gunther was the real star of the men's rumble this year, and I was so happy not not only to see him get the monster push, right, the most eliminations and the uh, you know the Iron Man streak, but it was that 
we had the Intercontinental Champion getting the monster push. And when was the last time that we saw that? We had the workhorse title on the workhorse champion putting in the workhorse performance. It's about damn time. They put some respect on that title. But I wish they would do a better job of of mixing it up with these rumble numbers. You know, we just had Edge uh, win from, uh, he was number one, I believe, right? From the number one spot two years ago. Uh, We've had back-to-back years now of number 30 winning. I think it was a mistake to send Cody out there in number 30. That, That was very dumb. I would not have done that. Uh, because once 29 came out, everybody knew who 30 was already. You took the drama away from who's number 30. You know, I think they could have sent him out there mid-20s. Let him fight through more adversity before winning it all. And you could send Logan Paul out there in number 30 as the final surprise. And they were, they were light on the surprises in this year's Rumble match. Edge came back, which seemed obvious, to resume his feud with the Judgment Day. Uh, Booker T made a cameo because they were in Texas and he did a bookend and a spinner Rooney. And we got Logan Paul. And that was it as far as the surprises in the men's Rumble match. Kofi Kingston uh, had a botched elimination. They tried some, one of these, you know, save spots that he's been doing every year for the past 10 years. Uh, last year, he botched it. He botched it again this year, two years in a row. And I said last year that it was time to retire these spots. Right, It was amusing at first. What's he going to do? You just get to a point where it's like, all right, you've, you've played this out enough. It's time to move on. I felt that way a year ago. Now he's botched it two years in a row. And I will say again what I said last year. It is time to end these spots. It's ridiculous at this point. And it's not working out. Clearly, it's not working out anymore. It's time to move on. Rey Mysterio was supposed to enter, at, I believe, number 17. Nobody came out. So they skipped over him. Number 18 was Dominic, and the match continued from there. Ray had a match on SmackDown Friday night with Karrion Cross, And everything looked fine, and, you know, he got the win, and he didn't look uh, any worse for wear. But there was a report on PW Insider earlier yesterday uh, that he was pulled from his uh, scheduled signing in the morning in San Antonio. Uh, he got replaced at that signing by Damian Priest and Dominic. And the word was that he was banged up. Not that he was injured, but that he was banged up, whatever that means, uh, from the match the night before. But he was considered to be okay. And they went back and forth on whether or not he would be part of the Rumble. Obviously, they decided against it. Uh, Dominic came out. He had Ray's mask in his hand. I guess the idea is that Ray was in the back and Dominic or the Judgment Day beat him up. Uh, and so he never came out. We had, so basically Cody outlasted 28 other men, not 29, because nobody ever came out to replace him. It was, it was the Macho King spot from the Rumble in 91 when, you know, he screwed over the Ultimate Warrior earlier that night for the championship and then left the building. And, uh, they didn't have anybody to replace him. So there is a precedent for this. This is not the first time something like this has happened. On the women's side, Rhea Ripley won the Women's Royal Rumble. From the number one spot. The first time I believe that we have had number one and number 30 win their respective rumbles in the same year. Rhea, uh, after the show, admitted that her knee dislocated about halfway through the match. Uh, she said that she has a history of knee issues from her days playing soccer. Sometimes the kneecap gets pushed to the side or sometimes to the back of the knee. It kind of turns, which sounds very painful. Uh, but she says it slipped right back into place, and she ended up working another 30 minutes after that. So she should be good to go. Maybe they keep her out of the ring for a couple of weeks, but 
nothing that should affect WrestleMania. She said it hasn't happened to her in many years. She doesn't know why it happened. Maybe she didn't drink enough water. Maybe she didn't eat enough food before the match, but uh, she seems to be okay. One of my favorite moments from either Royal Rumble match last night was the return of Asuka, but it was the debut of Kana the Murder the murder Clown. We got a big pop for her, too, when she took the mask off and she revealed the Kana makeup that she used to wear, very similar to the Kana makeup she used to wear in Japan. Uh, it got a big reaction live. Whether it was mostly people who knew what that was in reference to or they just liked the fact that she had new makeup on, that I don't know. I think a lot of people... I think a lot of people knew the history uh, of the makeup. So I was kind of hoping that's where this was going. You know, the last we saw her on TV, she was on a losing streak and she was very down. And remember on social media, she was posting pictures, old pictures of herself wearing the Kana face paint. And so I was hoping that was something that maybe she was going to bring to WWE. But the thing is, if she's going to come out on TV and just be dressed like, like Kana, but just be who she was before she left, then there's no point, right? There has to be a a harder edge. There has to be a change in her character as well. It can't just be, oh, look, I've got new, I've got new face paint on. So I'm hoping that she's got, you know, some kind of new attitude about her now. Maybe she'll get a renewed push. Uh, Natty was back in the Royal Rumble from her broken nose. And uh, she posted on Twitter that the costume designer who made her outfit last night also designed the first ever Heart Foundation gear for Brett and her dad uh, with her sister Terry. And they were the ones who came up with the concept of the Heart Foundation wearing pink and black in the first place. So I thought that was that was very cool. Chelsea Green, rumored for many, many weeks to be coming back to WWE. The Royal Rumble seemed like as good of a place as any for her to pop up as a surprise. She came out and she got the Bushwhacker elimination. She got into the ring, and five seconds later, she was sent out of the ring. And that was the last that we saw of Chelsea Green. And I just thought to myself, Tamina had just come out before her. And I said, you had Tamina right there. You let Tamina stay in the Royal Rumble, but you sent Chelsea Green out in five seconds. But she cut a promo backstage after the show, uh, like a crazy woman, that I'm going to report you, you know, to the interviewer, Megan Morant. I'm going to report you. I'm going to report everybody. For what happened. I was not eliminated. This this is not fair. This is unjust. And she was acting, you know, crazy. Remember the hot mess character that she had in Impact? You know, and she got over with it. You know, Laurel Van Ness and all that. If she's going to have a similar type of character here in WWE, I think that could work for her. And I even said that during the review last night. As ridiculous as it was for her to come out and five seconds later be gone, I said maybe it's going to lead to something on television. And it looks like that may be the case. But then we got Nia Jax, the return that absolutely nobody asked for. Nia Jax made her return in the Royal Rumble last night. Thankfully, she wasn't in there very long. Rhea Ripley tried to body slam her. And Rhea Ripley is a strong girl. She tried to pick her up and body slam her. She dropped her. She just could not. She couldn't do it. Uh, but Nia Jax was eliminated and, you know, people were like, oh, they've got new merch for her up on WWE shop. And this is an indication that she's back for good. Uh, the belief is that she is not, uh, back for good. This was a one-off. She is not as of this date officially signed anything. Doesn't mean that she, it won't happen. Uh, but as of this moment, no, this was a one-off. Nia Jax is not back. Let us hope it stays that way. The thing I found um, 
Well, let me talk about the finish, actually. The finish came down to Rhea, Liv Morgan, who was number two. They started the Rumble out together. And Asuka. And the fans were up for this, too. The fans, when they came down to the final three, right, it was getting a big reaction. Uh, I like the spot they did. They were out on the apron, all three of them. And Asuka missed it, Liv Morgan. Uh, may have been an accident. I think Rhea may have ducked. Rhea then tripped up Asuka. She fell to the floor. Rhea and Liv went at it for another minute or so. And Rhea got the win in the end. Um, what I thought was very strange is that during the men's rumble, there was a spot where Edge was fighting with Finn Balor after they had both been eliminated. And Rhea Ripley came out and attacked Edge from behind. On, on, in like the, uh, they didn't really have a stage, but it was right at the, at the head of the aisleway, right? Right when you first come out. Beth Phoenix came out from the back. And when Rhea turned around, she turned around right into a spear from Beth Phoenix. And I know why they did that. They did it this way because Rhea was going to win the Royal Rumble. If Rhea was not going to win the Women's Rumble, they could have had Beth Phoenix in there and she could have eliminated Rhea. And they could have gone off maybe to have a match at Elimination Chamber. I still think they may have a match at Elimination Chamber. But you could have had Beth Phoenix in the Royal Rumble regardless. It was just strange that she was there. And they had all these spots and they had to fill them up with a bunch of NXT people. And they brought back fucking, you know, Nia Jax and Michelle McCool but, like, Beth was not in the Rumble. I just thought that was very strange. There was a way to do it and still have Rhea win. Uh, but Beth Phoenix, even though she was there, she was not in the Royal Rumble match. Uh, we had the pitch black match, Bray Wyatt and LA Knight. I mean, the less said about this, the better. It ended up being basically a blacklight match. And uh, everything was lit up in, uh, you know, neon. Bray looked cool. I mean, with the face paint he had on, he had these contact lenses in that made him look like a demon. Uh, the look of everything, you know, looked kind of cool, but, you know, the match itself was, I just thought it wasn't very good, uh, which apparently you're not allowed to say. All the Bray Wyatt fans don't like it. They automatically assume that if you say the match was no good, that must mean Bray Wyatt sucks, and how can you say that, even though I never said such a thing at all? But they're very sensitive, right? They're like, uh, certain AEW fans, right? You can't say anything negative or else they lose their minds. Well, too bad. This was no good. And uh, in the end, when the match was over, Bray wins, of course. No surprise there. Uh, they fought into the crowd. They didn't really fight into the crowd, but he was kind of stalking L.A. Knight. They ended up in the crowd, and they had this gimmicked platform. Uncle Howdy was up, and he did a big dive. And then flames shot up, and then, you know, we had the Firefly Funhouse characters were, were, were watching. This was... Uh, look, if you're into this stuff, which... You know, good for you. I'm happy for you. But uh, I am ready for LA Knight to move on to something better. And he has showed signs now for months. Weeks. Maybe not months. Weeks. That he's getting over. Bit by bit, week by week. His catchphrases, you know, he cuts these promos every week that have, in some cases, been the highlight of the show for me. Uh, I am hopeful that now he will move on to something even bigger. And hopefully they have some decent plans for him heading into WrestleMania. We had Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's title. Bianca retains as she should have. The WrestleMania match should be Bianca and Rhea. Uh, the match itself was nothing special at all. It was a television match. I've seen Bianca and Alexa have better matches on TV. There was one they had on TV actually, aside from the crappy finish, which was a, a DQ. Uh, I thought the match they had on TV was better than the one we had last night. Then we had an Uncle Howdy video come on, you know... Again, where this is going, we'll see. Obviously, Alexa losing is part of a bigger plan for her character. 
where it goes, who the hell knows. But uh, nothing special here at all. You know, the undercard matches on this show were very, very missable. Pat McAfee was back last night on commentary. His surprise return was indeed a surprise. Not only to the fans, but to everybody who worked in WWE, aside from the very tippy-top people, even production people, did not know that Pat McAfee was coming back last night. That's why they had no chair waiting for him. They had to scramble to get him the headset and get him a chair. Uh, Michael Cole, the way he reacted, I could tell last night, Michael Cole genuinely did not know. Even before I read that, I knew. Michael Cole clearly did not know that Pat McAfee was going to be there. And he reacted to it. In real time, he was like, look, I was just FaceTiming this guy earlier today. He was in his studio in, in Indianapolis. What's he doing here? He couldn't believe it. He was so happy. It's actually very endearing to see how happy Michael Cole gets when he is around Pat McAfee. Corey Graves did not know either. And uh, he sold it great. He's got this, you know, this whole storyline thing where he's not a he's not a fan of McAfee. I think they're going to have a match at some point. Uh, but it was a complete surprise to even the announcers themselves. I know there were people saying they thought McAfee was drunk. I honestly, I didn't notice. McAfee always sounds like he's on something to me. Uh, I didn't hear him slurring his words or anything. I thought he was fine, but uh, was he hopped up on something? Maybe he was hopped up on that Mountain Dew pitch black shit. Maybe that's what it was. And so now that the Royal Rumble is in the rear view, and we have, of course, the Elimination Chamber coming up, which I've talked about, but the directions for WrestleMania are now coming into focus. Cody Rhodes wins the Royal Rumble. It's going to be Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. It's going to be Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, I am certain, against the Usos for the tag team titles at WrestleMania. Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley, could they have their match at Elimination Chamber? They could, uh, but I think we're going to get that at WrestleMania. We already know that it's probably going to be John Cena and Austin Theory at WrestleMania. Seth Rollins and Logan Paul. Logan Paul eliminated Seth Rollins from the Royal Rumble last night. And it made me smile because if you remember here on the podcast only, what, a couple of months ago, when we were talking about these rumors of Austin and Cena, or maybe Cena and Logan Paul, because Logan Paul wanted that match, he texted Triple H about it a couple of months ago. I said, honestly, I think that Seth Rollins or Randy Orton would make for a great WrestleMania opponent for Logan Paul. And Randy Orton, we knew it wasn't going to be him because uh, we don't know when when or if he'll be back. But I thought just, you know, just looking at their styles, I thought Seth Rollins and Logan Paul could have a great match. And if last night was any indication, that could have been the first seed planted for what could be a WrestleMania match between Rollins and Logan Paul, which I think would be excellent. Logan Paul last night had the highlight of the Royal Rumble. Him and Ricochet. They did dueling springboards and they collided with each other in midair. That was the that was the big spot of the men's rumble match. But I want to talk about Seth Rollins real quick here before I uh, get to some of these other uh, potential WrestleMania matches, just because people were talking about this as if it's some kind of story. And you know, it's it's. I mean, look, it's great clickbait for a lot of the wrestling news sites. I get it. Uh, but he did an interview. Seth Rollins did an interview yesterday. With Nick Hausman of Wrestling Inc. at the 2K23 event that they held. And Rollins was asked about the possibility of a few people, potential free agents, coming back to WWE. He asked them about FTR. Rollins put them over and said he would love one day to work with them again. But Hausman asked him about the possibility of CM Punk returning to WWE. 
And Rollins, who clearly, to anybody watching, was in character for this, looking like uh, Hobo Joe, he said, Stay away, stay away, you cancer. Get away from me forever. I don't like Phil. He's a jerk. Did we just figure that out? He's a jerk. Come on, we figured it out over there. We knew it over here. I don't want him back. Go do something else. Bye-bye. See you later. Boy, uh, Hausman is really uh, milking this thing with Punk, I see. Uh, but no, there there is no heat. Nor is Seth Rollins wrestling CM Punk at WrestleMania. And yes, he was in character. So let's uh, shut that shit down right now. But yes, Rollins and Logan Paul, I think, is going to be the direction. Uh, Gunther and Sheamus, I've been saying this for months. They had two big singles matches. Clash at the Castle and another one on SmackDown. And, and actually, the way they left things at the end of that second match, there was some controversy there about one of the falls in that match. I said they could come back to that. I don't know if they'll ever reference the finish to that match again. But I said if they wanted to, they could come back around to a third match and reference the finish and, and what happened in the second match on TV. And they can do a third match, even though Gunther won the first two. But I said Gunther and Sheamus should be the match of WrestleMania with Sheamus finally winning the Intercontinental title. The one title that has eluded him. And last night we had Sheamus and Drew McIntyre who have been friends and partners on TV now for the last several weeks. And they were, you know, basically attached at the hip through most of the Rumble match last night. They both got eliminated by Gunther. And as I look at WrestleMania and I say, well, what would McIntyre do? If they did Gunther and Sheamus, where does that leave Drew McIntyre? I don't know. There is no obvious opponent for Drew McIntyre. So what I see happening is I think we're going to get a triple threat match. I think we're going to get a three-way for the Intercontinental title. I think it's going to end up being Gunther, Sheamus, and Drew McIntyre. And I can get behind that. I don't have an issue if they want to make this a triple threat match. I'm okay with that. I actually think that would be an incredible match. But the end result should be the same. The end result should be Sheamus winning the Intercontinental Championship. Pinning Gunther and winning the IC title for the first time, that would be a great WrestleMania moment. They love their moments at WrestleMania, that would be a WrestleMania moment. So I think that's where they're headed with those three. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, we have Bianca Belair is going to defend her Raw Women's Championship against who? It should be the winner of the Royal Rumble. I think it'll be Bianca and Rhea. Uh, I think over on the SmackDown side, what do you do with Charlotte Flair? I don't think they go right back to Charlotte and Ronda. I don't think Ronda's gone. I think she'll be doing something else. Uh, but I think that, you know, 
Charlotte and Asuka. Asuka the murder clown. I think that could be a potential direction. I know Asuka's a, a raw talent. Uh, but I think they could find a way if they wanted to to get to Charlotte and Asuka with a very different outcome than uh, their WrestleMania 34 match had. Uh, if they want to go in a different direction and just focus on the SmackDown roster and trying to give somebody the rub by working with Charlotte and building them up, they've got Raquel. Raquel's right there. Raquel's on the roster. If they want to try to make a new star out of somebody, they can do Charlotte and Raquel. And then obviously, Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio, I think, are on a uh, clear collision course for a match. I know Rey has said, I won't work with my son, just like Brett, right? Brett said, I will not fight my brother until he did. So I think Rey and Dominic is the obvious direction for WrestleMania. And so that's a pretty, that's not the full card, but that's a pretty complete card there. When you look at it, I think things are really coming into focus now, uh, as they should, this time of year, we should have a sense of what the key matches are going to be at WrestleMania. Uh, and I think those are the key matches. Uh, again, Rock could still make an appearance, but not wrestle. I still think we're going to get another Stone Cold Steve Austin match. You know, in the news this week, we had dueling reports, one from Fightful and one from The Observer. Fightful said the match that was pitched to Austin months ago was Roman Reigns. Dave Meltzer says the match that was pitched to Austin was Brock Lesnar, which sounds even more ridiculous. I think both of those are terrible ideas. Especially the Brock Lesnar match. At Austin's age, that would be suicide. It looks like Cena is already occupied. Logan Paul may end up with Seth Rollins. I go back to my original idea. Steve Austin and LA Knight, I think, would be a fine match for WrestleMania if Austin wanted to wrestle again. I don't think he has to, but if he wants to, if the money is good and he can't resist, look... Follow him on Instagram. This guy has been training like a beast, okay? he I know he said that he thought he looked like shit and he just wanted to get himself in shape. That's all well and good. This guy is training for something. He's not training to run the Chicago Marathon. He's training like he's going to get back in the ring. But I don't think it needs to be Austin against another big name. But the story of this year's Royal Rumble, two very... I thought mid-rumble matches with a couple of fun finishes, a very middle-of-the-road show overall, until that finish. And they say it's it's about how you finish. Well, they finished on the highest possible note. I've already gone back and rewatched it three times. It was a roller coaster. And that's what I love about pro wrestling. Sami Zayn gave an interview to Ariel Helwani. Uh, before the Royal Rumble this week, they went a little over 20 minutes. It was an excellent interview uh, on the BT Sport YouTube channel. They actually posted another short clip with Sammy addressing the death of Jay Briscoe, uh, someone he had great matches with from their days together in Ring of Honor. But they talked about the Bloodline storyline. They talked about the Royal Rumble. And they talked about Sammy possibly uh, challenging Roman Reigns uh, for the championship. Ariel asked him about the genesis of the Bloodline story. Sammy said that he had already had the idea in his head about a year ago. Uh, he said, did I ever think it would actually happen? No. He said, there was initially an idea because at the time I was calling myself the locker room leader. Roman Reigns obviously is the head of the table. Coincidentally, it was an interview with Roman that he did with you. you know, he was talking about Ariel. That kind of spawned it all off because you had asked him, is there anyone that you would like to work with? And he mentioned my name, which I took as a huge compliment. So one time we were talking, I was like, man, I had this idea. It would be fun to do some on-screen stuff together. Some of it was his idea as well, you know, talking about where it could potentially go. 
It wasn't for me to be like a full-fledged member of the bloodline or anything like that, but it would be very cool if we had this periodic relationship on TV. And he said he had this idea how it could go. He just didn't think it would actually end up happening. And uh, Ariel asked him if Vince McMahon, if he was still in charge of creative, if he thinks the story would have progressed to where it is today. And he said he wasn't sure, but probably not. He pointed out that it was after Triple H took over within weeks that he had his first on-screen interaction with Roman Reigns. Before that, they had been kept apart. Yeah, Would that have happened under Vince McMahon as the head of creative? I agree with him. Probably not. If it did, maybe it would have taken a little bit longer to get there, but I doubt this story would still be going on and would be where it is right now. We know there wouldn't have been a War Games match at Survivor Series. We know that. Although that was only one part of a larger story. But uh, I tend to agree with Sammy on that. Ariel asked him if he thinks as popular as he is right now. If he does not win the Royal Rumble, obviously he did not. If the fans might revolt against the winner. And he mentioned Cody Rhodes being the favorite going into the match. And Sammy said, you know, among hardcore fans, maybe they might feel that way. He thinks there's a lot of casual fans who are just along for the ride. He doesn't see it the same as Daniel Bryan in 2014 where the fans revolted, right? Because we don't want Batista, we want this guy. He he makes a very good point when he was talking here about how people were just angry at the creative at the time. He doesn't see this as being the same thing. I think it's a great point and I think he's absolutely right. Part of the reason the fans revolted was the general booking of Daniel Bryan for those few months. It felt like they were dropping the ball for those uh, you know, few months on this guy's popularity. With Sami Zayn, the Bloodline story has been the best thing on WWE television for the better part of six months. And with Triple H guiding the story to its conclusion, whatever that is, I think fans have a lot more faith in them to do the right thing, which they did not have in you know, Vince McMahon when it came to Daniel Bryan, even though in the end they did the right thing. They were forced into it when CM Punk walked out. But in the end, to their credit, we got the payoff of WrestleMania 30 that a lot of people wanted. So he's right in that the fans don't have that same level of contempt for the creative process here that they did in 2014 and I would say even in 2015. But his most interesting answer, I thought, came in response to Ariel's question of whether or not he could see himself as the champion and as the face of WWE. He said, if I'm being honest, I could win the world title. I could carry it for a while. I could do talk shows. I could do all that stuff. I don't know if I'm the guy that you necessarily hit your wagon to for the next five to ten years. Like the face of the company, if nothing else, because I am somewhat realistic about my physical appearance. I'm not as big as Roman or Cena or Brock or whoever. And that's typically the guy who's at the head of the scene because they want a certain projection for the long haul. Could I win the world title? If you do anything right, the fans will buy it and they'll get into it. So I think at this point, the way things are built, I'm not saying this is what's going to happen. But if it was me and Roman at WrestleMania and I beat Roman and we did it the right way that we've been doing it the last nine months, no one is going to turn around and go, oh, that's bogus. I'm out. I can't take that. I think I could be a guy who carries the title for six months, goes on Jimmy Fallon, makes some jokes. I could probably do that in my sleep. But I understand the company's projection of what they see as the face of the company. The champion and the face are almost two different things. I feel like I could be the champion no problem as far as being the guy they like. Number one, he's our guy. He's our poster boy. That I don't think I fit the mold of. 
And he's absolutely right. I made this point on Friday night. Kofi Kingston was WWE champion for six months. At a time when the crowd rallied behind him. Remember, Kofi Mania, right? It was a great story. And they lucked into it when Mustafa Ali got hurt. The stars aligned, it just worked out. And he had a six-month run as the WWE champion. Now, if you ask me what was my favorite part of Kofi Kingston's run as the champion, honestly, literally can only think of one moment that sticks out to me. (laughs) He had a cage match with Dolph Ziggler and Kofi did a dive through the door to the floor to win the match. That's the only thing other than him losing to Brock that I remember about Kofi Kingston in the six months that he was WWE champion. It wasn't even about the the run that he had. It was about the moment. It was about the payoff at WrestleMania. It's the dog chasing after the car. You catch the car and the dog doesn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. They put the belt on Kofi. It's it's not that he wasn't over. He was definitely not over at the level of a top, top star. Uh, I like Kofi, but let's be fucking honest about this. Right? He was not. He was never that guy. It was all about the moment of him winning the title. And what a great moment it was at WrestleMania 35. But where do you go from there? Jinder Mahal, he was WWE champion for six months. He did that shit cold. No story behind it. Unlike uh, with Kofi, at least Kofi had a great story. But if these guys can be WWE champion for six months, there's no reason that Sami Zayn can't be WWE champion. And there isn't a single person who's going to stop watching WWE because Sami Zayn is the champion. It wouldn't be a very long run, right? You also have to keep something else in mind which I did not mention on Friday, but I thought of it after, and I think it's a good point to bring up. Keep in mind that this company goes to Saudi Arabia twice a year. And if if the Saudis end up buying the company, it could be more than twice a year. Sammy has not been on a single one of those Saudi shows. I don't know if that has more to do with him choosing not to go, or if it's more for safety reasons for him, you know, being Syrian. But it would be a problem for them having a world champion for an extended period of time who never appears on any of those shows for as much money as they're being paid for those shows. So any run that Sami Zayn might get, I cannot see it being anything but short-lived, right? With Sami, it would be more about the moment, just like with Kofi. You had a great story and you got the payoff. Same thing here. It would be more about the moment of him winning it than anything else. Sami Zayn is more akin to, in my view, Mankind when he won the title from The Rock. Or Daniel Bryan when he won the title of WrestleMania 30. That is the kind of champion that Sami Zayn would be. He gets the big moment, but it's fleeting. After the payoff, the reality of it sets in and you immediately start wondering, okay, who's the guy who's going to take the title from this person? Who's he going to drop it to? Sami Zayn, like he said, he will never be considered the face of the company. He will never be the guy they trust with the title for a year or they position at the top of the card for the next five years. You look at their poster boys over the years, Roman Reigns, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, The Rock. You want to go back even further. That's not Sami Zayn. Austin Theory is going to be that guy one day. He's already being groomed for that spot right now as we speak. That will never be Sami Zayn, but that's okay. And Sammy seems to understand that and and is okay with that too. It doesn't have to be Sammy Zayn is the guy. Could he be the champion? Absolutely. 
Raw's 30th anniversary show on Monday was carried by what else? The Bloodline and the Trial of Sami Zayn that opened the show. Uh, that first hour of the show I thought breezed by, even without the commercials, since they went commercial-free for the first hour. Uh, seeing The Undertaker dust off the motorcycle for the American Badass deal was cool, you know, for one night. Uh, we haven't seen that since the Boneyard match at WrestleMania. You know, before that, you'd have to go all the way back over 20 years. Him sharing the ring one more time with Bray Wyatt, whispering, whispering sweet nothings uh, into Bray's ear. It was kind of like a passing of the torch. That was a cool moment. After that first hour, though, woof. It was a rough slide. You know, the DX segment was amusing with Kurt Angle. He took basically took Billy Gunn's place. But those last two hours were not nearly as good uh, as the first hour. Commercial-free in the first hour does not mean we have fewer commercials. It just means we get assaulted with them in the next two hours. Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair were on the show. They had blink-and-you'll-miss-it appearances. Uh, but, I mean, what more can they do at this point other than just... You know, walk out, say some buzzwords, and leave. I mean, that's all they can do. Kurt Angle on his podcast said that Hogan had another back surgery. Uh, I think that would be number 11. And he said that he had the nerves cut from his lower body. So according to Kurt, and this is his retelling of the story here, Hogan cannot feel uh, his lower body. There's a word for that, by the way. It's called paralysis. <laughs> So I don't know, again, if Kurt maybe was just describing it wrong or, you know, it could just be Hogan telling Kurt that. Uh, but he claims that's why Hogan used, uh, uses a cane. He didn't have a cane on TV, but when he's walking around backstage and around the building, uh, he walks around with a cane. He goes, that's why. That's why he has that. He says he doesn't use the cane because he's ha he has any kind of like back pain. He says he has no back pain anymore. He has nothing at all because he can't feel anything. He can't feel his legs. Now, I know when you have certain types of surgery, they may cut the nerves. Uh, that's what happened with my knee. When they went in to get the glass out that was left in it, uh, they cut through some of the nerves. So there, there are areas on my knee uh, and on the side of my knee where I, I have no feeling. I can't even say no feeling. It, it's more this feeling of just like numbness. If I had been uh, shot up with Novocaine or something, that's, that's the feeling I have uh, in my knee. Like, if I got an injection there right now, I probably wouldn't feel it. I can't imagine them cutting the nerves so that my entire lower body would feel that way. Uh, that just sounds awful. But his pain must have been so bad that that was the only remedy for him to be comfortable. You know, people mock Hogan's wrestling ability. These are people who never saw his work in Japan. Uh, if they did, they would not be mocking Hogan's in-ring ability. But for a guy who, for most of his career, worked a relatively safe style compared to what we've seen over the last, you know, 20 or 25 years in wrestling and used a leg drop as his finish, the man has had 11 back surgeries and he's all crippled up. You, know, you drop that big leg over and over again, night after night, 400 days a year, according to the Hulkster. Uh, but at his size back then, my God, the guy was juiced to the gills. He was close to 300 pounds. Yeah, I mean, that's going to wreck your back. And your spine. It's like the RKO wrecked Randy Orton's back. And Orton's a lot younger than Hogan is. Hogan was also dropping that leg on those old WWF rings, right? Those were like concrete. They were like the old boxing rings. So, you know, hey, whatever you think of Hogan, nobody should have to walk around in agonizing uh, back pain like that. 
If that's what it took to get him the relief that he needs, then more power to him. I know at one point he had an electrical stimulator implanted in his back uh, during one of those surgeries. I don't know how much relief that gave him. Evidently not enough if he had to go back under the knife. They cut the uh, cage match on Monday that they advertised between Bailey and Becky Lynch uh, because the bloodline stuff ran long at the beginning of the show. Becky Lynch was supposed to win the cage match and then get beaten down by damage control. Instead, they had damage control jump her before she even got into the cage. And then they took her inside and they did the ang- They went right to the angle. They went right to the beatdown angle. We got no match. Because of that, and because the women got very little representation on that anniversary show at all, uh, in fact, Medusa was the only female legend that even appeared on the show. Uh, I know Lita was there filming stuff for A&E, but we never saw her on camera. Because of this, the hashtag WWE Women Deserve Better was trending all night long. On the cage match snub, look, it sucks. I get it. It's live TV. Things go long. They have to make a split second decision about what to cut, what not to cut. If something had to be cut, it should have been the Bianca Belair Sonya Deville match. But people still would have been upset because they still would have been cutting a women's match. I assume they decided to stick with the Bianca match because they needed a way to get to the Alexa Bliss promo after. Bianca and Alexa had their match at the Royal Rumble yesterday. Uh, Becky and Bailey did not. They did not have uh, a match. I mean, they were in the Rumble. Uh, but Becky and Bailey did not have anything going on at the uh, pay-per-view as far as a singles match. So that's the decision they made. But my issue with it is this. When you advertise a steel cage match and then don't deliver that steel cage match, people have a right to be upset. Now, the Bella Twins, who were originally advertised for the show and then they got pulled uh, because, as it turned out, they never actually agreed to be there. They had uh, promotional stuff to do in New York. I guess Nikki Bella has a new show, uh, which is... So anyway, they were in New York. They posted, or Nikki posted, to her Instagram stories later that night when the show was over. They were calling out the company for doing nothing to pay tribute to all the female stars on Raw over the years. They were mocking the fact that they did not want to mention Sasha Banks. They did not want to mention Paige. Right? They said, oh, you can't can't mention Mercedes. You can't mention Soraya. Uh, I think people mistook that. And maybe this is the fault of some of the, the websites that reported this. I saw the clip. People mistook that, I think, in some cases to mean that the company told the Bellas that they did not want them mentioning Sasha or Soraya. That is not what happened. They just assumed, oh, they weren't, you know, they weren't mentioned because they don't work there anymore. So, oh, you know, they can't be mentioned. The twins were on uh, Tamron Hall's talk show a few days later. And uh, this is what Nikki had to say. I think what anyone does when you have love and passion for something and you put your heart and soul into it, you want to be appreciated. And I think that that's in any industry. For us female wrestlers, it was Raw 30, the 30th anniversary. And throughout those 30 years, women have done a whole lot to make Raw what it is. So when you have a three-hour show and it's male-dominated and women are not being honored pretty much at all, you just sit back and you're like, why aren't we being appreciated? Why don't you even have a video package showcasing what all these incredible women have done? I'm someone who they've called No Filter Nikki. And I know sometimes my team is like, you know, take her phone away from her. But it made me upset for all the women because I know that feeling of walking out to the ring. It happens to the some of the men as well. But where you walk out, you put your body on the line, you give it your all. And you just come back and you don't feel appreciated for that. 
Some of us have had career-ending injuries, and we shouldn't go away. And even if I feel like, you know, if a wrestler leaves the company or they're no longer there, it doesn't mean that they should not be remembered. I wished and I hoped, and maybe that will be more the case in the future. We still have a way to go. But I wish that women will finally be appreciated for what they do. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. conditions apply. See website for details. It's a valid point about at least not having a video package. You know, this is a company that created an entire marketing campaign a few years ago out of the women's revolution, right? Nobody was tooting their horn more than WWE was about this whole women's revolution. You look at how the women were used on the show 20 years ago and how they're used today. Yeah, that's something they could have highlighted in a video. And she's right. They didn't do that. There have been some great moments on Raw over the years that have involved the women. Right? The night the women headlined the show for the first time with Lita and Stephanie McMahon. Everybody talks about Lita and Trish in 2004, but I guess they ignore Lita and Stephanie because The Rock was out there and Triple H was out there. And so, you know, the men were still technically involved. But no, technically the first women's main event ever on Raw was not Lita and Trish. It was Lita and Stephanie McMahon in 2000. So, you know, you could, you could talk about that. Paige's Raw debut the night after WrestleMania. AJ Lee dropping her own pipe bomb on all the divas, which is one of my favorites. So, yeah, I get why they would be upset. But I would also say the WWE, in recent years, has done a much better job of featuring the women on Raw. Specifically, and, and that includes main events. Specifically on Raw, but more specifically in main event spots on the show. But where they fail is featuring them in compelling storylines. Spent the first 30 minutes of this show today talking to you about one of the most compelling storylines in wrestling that I've ever seen, right? Involving the bloodline. Storyline like that might come along once every every decade, right? They can't all be like the bloodline storyline as layered and nuanced and, you know, nine months worth of work. Like they can't all be that way. But you mean to tell me they can come up with a storyline like that, but they can't figure out a storyline involving the women on their show? That is a failure of WWE creative. That's where they fail. Is featuring them in compelling storylines. There are none. Name one really interesting or compelling story right now involving the women. I can't think of one. There's nothing compelling about anything they have Charlotte Flair doing right now. Bianca Belair has been championed for almost a year and doesn't have anything interesting going on right now. This feud with Becky Lynch and Damage Control has been awful. When Ronda Rousey was still the champion, she had one of the most boring reigns that I've ever seen. This is where WWE is really shortchanging the women. Not every story is going to be as deep as the bloodline, but that is where they have failed them. Uh, They don't give them much to do, and when they do, they don't give you a reason to really care or get invested in it. The most entertaining thing involving the women is the relationship with Rhea Ripley and Dominic and their segments uh, that they have together, especially when they go beat up Dominic's family. I, I will stop whatever I am doing to watch whenever a new video pops up. 
But that involves Rhea. It has nothing to do with the women's division. That's a Rhea Ripley thing. And that's a problem for Triple H. It's a problem that he has to find a way to remedy before WrestleMania. Despite this lack of representation for the women on Monday, uh, Raw 30 was a ratings bonanza for WWE. The show drew the largest audience for Raw in almost three years, over 2.3 million viewers. That's more than SmackDown does a lot of weeks, and that's on network TV. Uh, You would have to go all the way back to the February 17, 2020 episode of Monday Night Raw for a number that was that high. A time in all of our lives where if you told me to wear a mask, I would say, well, why would I, why would I put my Halloween mask on? What do you mean wear a mask? What are you talking about? (laughs) What are you, what are you talking about, right? It's just a different time. It's a different time in the world. Now, obviously this week it was an anniversary show where they brought people back. Shawn Michaels was there, Triple H, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, The Undertaker, Kurt Angle. You bring back big names, you're going to pop a number. Uh, some people may have expected, uh, others even, they may have tuned in thinking that Stone Cold was going to be there, uh, or The Rock. And by the way, it is asinine to me. Now that the Royal Rumble is over, and I can sit here and say this, it is asinine to me that they did a 30th anniversary episode of Monday Night Raw, and they did not have the one man there who was the most synonymous with that television show. If he was going to be a surprise at the Rumble last night, I totally get it, but... Now that I look back and say, wait, he wasn't even there. Why the fuck was he not on Raw Monday night? Anyway. So you had that curiosity going into it. Add in the fact that, and this is probably the single most important factor. It was their first week free of competition from Monday Night Football. Oh, by the way. So yes, the number should have been higher than usual. I, I wasn't expecting it to be that much higher than usual. That's a big number for them. Uh, because of the ad-free first hour, that hour did over 2.6 million viewers. Huge demo number. In fact, in the 18-49 to 49 demo, Raw was the number one show on television. Not just cable. It was the number one show on TV. Nostalgia sells. This is why they do these reunion shows with all the legends in the first place. Vince McMahon did not appear on the show. Although he is back in the office in Stanford, probably tending to the latest lawsuit brought against him. According to Bloomberg, a third lawsuit was brought against Vince McMahon in relation to him forcing his way back onto the board of directors and into the role of executive chairman. Uh, They are reporting that two WWE shareholders, Carol Casal and Crystal Laval, are suing over McMahon's alleged history of paying to cover up sexual harassment accusations And they want their lawsuit kept separate from the two previously filed against Vince and the company. So we are very quickly getting to a point here where I am having a difficult time keeping track of all the different pending litigation being brought against Vince McMahon and WWE. The word came down on Tuesday that Warner Brothers Discovery had reversed course on their edict. That the Briscoes, both Briscoes, not be allowed to appear on AEW television, which is why we never saw them featured last year, even as Tony Khan was promoting multiple matches between the Briscoes and FTR for those Ring of Honor pay-per-views. They were never allowed to be on the show, which is why Tony Khan decided against using them also at All Out in the trios match against Wardlow and FTR. He called in the Motor City Machine Guns at the last minute, which is why last week, 
24 hours after Jay Briscoe passed away, all AEW was allowed was an opening graphic and a few words from Excalibur at the end of Dynamite. When you know full well that if it were up to him, Tony Khan would have done much more for Jay Briscoe on that show. This coming from a company in Warner Brothers Discovery that is doing business with Dana White and promoting his new power slap league after he was caught on camera slapping his own wife. The Ezra Miller stuff, which I went into great detail about last week. It was hugely hypocritical of them to draw a line in the sand when it came to Jay Briscoe on their networks. A lot of wrestling fans expressed their anger on social media. But in the end, it was Tony Khan who said on the Battleground podcast this week that he fought very hard to make the match happen that we saw this week. It was Tony Khan who got Warner Brothers Discovery to change their tune and not only allow Mark Briscoe to wrestle on Dynamite, but allowed AEW to pay tribute to Jay Briscoe with a video package, which was put together by Zane Decker, who works as a producer for AEW, used to work for Ring of Honor. Some of you may have met Zane at one of our meetups a few years ago. He shot a little documentary for it. So when I heard that it was him who put that video together, I thought that was very cool. I'm sure that was not an easy thing for him to do. I thought it was a beautiful tribute. Really drove home how important the element of family was to Jay Briscoe. So Tony Khan deserves a lot of credit, whether he wants to take it or not, for pushing to make all of this happen. He also got a jet for talent who worked the dark tapings in Orlando yesterday to fly them to Delaware for Jay's funeral this morning. Mark Briscoe who is allowed now to appear on AEW programming going forward, should Tony Khan see fit to use him, showed up on Dynamite Wednesday night, just over a week after his brother was killed. Four days before his brother was to be laid to rest. Today was Jay's funeral. On what would have been Jay's 39th birthday on Wednesday, he showed up to wrestle Jay Lethal, probably Jay Briscoe's greatest rival, and like the Briscoes was a staple of Ring of Honor for many years. It was a very emotional night, and it could not end any other way than Mark using the J-Driller to win the match. He celebrated after with both Ring of Honor tag team belts, which was heartbreaking to see. But it was very nice to see the outpouring of, uh, of love and support you know, for Mark, who I'm sure is going through a nightmare right now. The whole family is going through a nightmare. And to see that level of, of love from the locker room and from the fans, uh, for, for a person who again had never appeared before on AEW television. And I'm sure there was a certain segment of the audience there that night that were not that familiar with who the Briscoes were. But to see the kind of response and the kind of reaction that he got was, was a very cool thing to see. Uh, there was a video the next day at the airport. Caprice Coleman, who does commentary for Ring of Honor, who they had uh, brought in. He was sitting around waiting for his flight and uh, filming on his phone. And Mark Briscoe was with, with his wife right behind him. And uh, Mark told him, he said that, look, family is the most important thing to him. And that for 23 years, he and Jay were on the road wrestling in different towns and different countries. And he said, now it's time for me to carry on for him. So that is his goal going forward. He is going to carry on the Briscoe name. And he is going to carry on the legacy that he and his brother created in tag team wrestling. And whether that means, again, tag team wrestling with somebody else uh, or being a single star remains to be seen. We don't know. Uh, I tend to think he'll end up being a single. I think he could be very successful. I I think at some point there's a story to be told there. Uh, 
with him winning the Ring of Honor world title. Absolutely. Same championship that his brother won on two different occasions. There's a story there to be told. That that will happen in due time. Uh, but I thought it was a very classy tribute that AEW put together for Jay on Wednesday night. And for those wondering, the uh, three-hour show, uh, the Jay Briscoe Ring of Honor tribute show, which uh, includes matches that were filmed after Dynamite went off the air last week, uh, it is up now on YouTube. It's up on the Ring of Honor YouTube channel. It's up for free uh, on their Honor Club service as well. Uh, I'll just run down the card again real quick here. We have uh, Wheeler Yuta's on the show uh, defending his uh, Ring of Honor Pure title against uh, Hagane Shino. Marina Shafir against Mighty uh, Mighty Myra. Eddie Kingston against QT Marshall. Uh, Athena defending the Ring of Honor Women's World title against Madison Rain. Juice Robinson against Brandon Cutler. Yuka Sakazaki against Sandra Moon. And Claudio Castagnoli defending the Ring of Honor World title against Christopher Daniels. Uh, someone who also had uh, many matches back in the day with Jay Briscoe. They also include, spliced into the show, archive footage of Jay Briscoe against Adam Cole, Jay Briscoe against Christopher Daniels, and the Briscoes against the Kings of Wrestling from uh, Final Battle in 2006. And also spliced in our various sit-down interviews from people. Samoa Joe, uh, you know, everybody was holding back tears and, and fighting off tears. Samoa Joe just let the, he just let the waterworks flow. He was very broken up about the whole thing. Uh, so there's interviews with Joe and Adam Cole and Daniels and Eddie Kingston and a whole bunch of different people. Claudio. So it was a very uh, well put together presentation. Um, and so if you want to watch it, it's up right now in full on the Ring of Honor YouTube channel. Uh, I'm about halfway through it. Uh, I didn't get a chance to finish it yet, but what I've seen so far is uh, it's very cool. It's very cool what they put together. Dynamite this Wednesday is going to be in Dayton, Ohio, and we are getting John Moxley and Hangman Page Part 3. Brian Danielson goes one-on-one with Timothy Thatcher uh, from Pro Wrestling Noah, formerly with NXT. I was wondering where, where he's been, what he's been up to, but he's been apparently killing it in Noah, and MJF is bringing in Thatcher to take on Brian Danielson. Thatcher's thing is that he's got the Fujiwara armbar. They shot an angle on Wednesday where... MJF and Brian Cage, after Cage lost to uh, Danielson, worked over his arm and his shoulder. So now Brian is injured going into, uh, it's not official yet, but what will be the Iron Man match at Revolution against MJF. So he's bringing in Timothy Thatcher to take on Danielson this Wednesday. Jade Cargill defends her TBS championship against her former baddie, Red Velvet. She's trying to go 50-0. and 0 is Jade Cargill. I would expect her to uh, to do so. The acclaimed are going to be in action against who? We don't know yet. But we do know that Kanosuke Takeshita will go one-on-one with Brian Cage. And on Brian Cage, unless a new deal is reached imminently, it looks like Brian Cage could be out soon of uh, AEW and Ring of Honor. His contract is reportedly set to expire in a matter of weeks, according to Fightful. And uh, there is... There is uh, a situation where some feelers have been sent by his camp to WWE to gauge interest. No word on whether or not they have interest in signing him. I think in the end, uh, he'll probably just end up staying right where he is. Right now, he's one uh, member of the Ring of Honor six-man tag team champions. He's been getting more television time in the last two months than he has in the last two years. 
Uh, I'm not sure how different that would be if you went to WWE. But that is the update on Brian Cage. Also on Wednesday, Darby Allen is going to defend the TNT Championship. No holds barred. One more time. Against Samoa Joe. And this seems like it would be the prime spot for Wardlow to return. We haven't seen Wardlow since the beginning of the month. Last time we saw him, he had his ponytail cut off by Samoa Joe. And that Wardlow would show up on Wednesday, cost Joe the match, and that would then segue into uh, an eventual match again between Joe and Wardlow. And that might be what happens. I I still think that's what we're going to get. But according to The Observer, for those wondering, myself included, where the hell has Wardlow been? uh, The reason that Wardlow has not been back for revenge yet on Samoa Joe, apparently he suffered an injury. And I was wondering, is it injury related? We haven't heard anything about an injury to Wardlow. Apparently, according to Meltzer, it was an injury. Uh, and he needed some time off. There's no word uh, on when he'll be back. It was not expected to be something that would keep him out for a long time. So I'm still betting that uh, we'll see him pop up on Wednesday. Now we have an update here on the AEW Fight Forever video game. It feels like we have been waiting forever for Fight Forever. Matt Black of WrestleZone had an update for us. If you remember, AEW announced... This was its uh, first console video game. They made the announcement in November of 2020 that they were going to be working on this game. And they have had to overcome a lot of hurdles since then, as far as the development and the release date of the game. Internally, the game was expected to be released in September of last year, before the date was then shifted to November and again, I wonder how much of the stuff that went down at Brawl Out factored into that. Punk Punk was supposed to be on the cover of the game. And I don't know if Punk is in the game. Punk may be in the game, but not on the cover. I don't know what his status is. But it got pushed back to November. And then eventually it was pushed back again to 2023 with a February release date window. Uh, according to Matt Black here, that is no longer the case. Back in November, THQ Nordic and AEW released a new trailer for the game. That was the weekend of Full Gear, which had the game with a rating of T for Teen. The only problem with that is that the game was not yet officially rated Teen at the time of this announcement. Uh, The ESRB, which is the Entertainment Software Ratings Board, their website has yet to list an official rating for this game. This is due to the fact that previous versions of the game submitted to the ESRB did not get the desired result that AEW and THQ Nordic were hoping for. And a source close to the situation confirmed to WrestleZone that there have been some issues regarding the rating, which has delayed an announcement of a release date. Because I, we've been joking about this for a while. We don't even have a release date on this fucking thing. So now we're, we're getting a better sense of why that is. Uh, other sources have told the website that the amount of blood and gore in Fight Forever, prevented the game from achieving a teen rating on multiple occasions. However, those close to the game are confident with where things now stand, as the game has once again been resubmitted to the ESRB after multiple back and forths. As for what the specific issues were with the ESRB, the source did not detail uh, what needed to be addressed. They did say that everybody is feeling very confident that the issues have been resolved, but they will not know for sure until it officially comes back. Uh, and now you've got WWE announcing that 2K23 is coming out in March, which means that, you know, Fight Forever is probably not coming out, even if they get the rating that they're looking for, uh, probably not looking at coming out until, at the very least, probably later into the spring, 
And they point out in the article that if you look at the history of planned release date windows with this game, typically they coincide with an AEW pay-per-view. So it's possible that maybe Double or Nothing in May could, could be a May or June release date for the game. Uh, but that is the update. So if you if you are like me, because I'm waiting for the game, I'm going to start a whole new uh, Sound of Gamer series if the game is good enough. Uh, bring some new gamer content to the channel. Uh, assuming it comes out for PC. If not, I'm fucked. But uh, I've been wondering what the hell is up with this game, and now it makes more sense. You know, If they have blood and gore and barbed wire and God knows what else in this game... Uh, if they want the game to have that T rating, uh, who knows what kind of, you know, changes they had to make, but that would at least explain what the delay has been about. So, uh, we'll, we'll see if maybe Double or Nothing could finally be the, uh, the time to get the game out. This Saturday is the NXT Vengeance Day pay-per-view back on the road in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm going to run down the card here with some predictions. We've got best two out of three falls, Apollo Crews against Carmelo Hayes. Uh, both men come into this tied with one win apiece. I think the destination, I've said this before, I think the destination for Carmelo is stand and deliver against Braun Breaker for the NXT Championship. So I think Carmelo Hayes wins the rubber match here. Two falls to one is my prediction. Uh, they had a segment on Tuesday on, on uh, NXT where Hayes walked into his barber shop. And he found Apollo sitting in his chair. And I'm watching this thinking, the man is bald. See, is he getting his nose hairs trimmed? Like, well, what's going on here? Before I realized that, you know, people, they, they go to the barber shop to get their beards trimmed. You could tell I'm not a beard guy. That should have been the first thought that popped into my head. I'm like, well, why is he going to a barber shop for? I'm like, eh, I guess it's the beard. So I'm not a beard guy. If I was, though, I would trim that at home. I would not pay somebody else to do it for me. I mean, look, if you've got one of those Billy Gibbons ZZ Top beards, that's different. Apollo doesn't have a rat's nest on his face. He can trim that shit himself. NXT Women's Tag Team Championship is on the line. Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro. Katana Chance. I still call her by her, uh, her government name. Caden Carter and Katana Chance defend the... NXT Women's Tag Belts against Fallon Henley and Kiana James. Former enemies, now tag team partners. Although this Kiana James girl, she does not seem very trustworthy. So uh, I don't think this is going to work in their favor. Carter and Chance, yeah, they've had a good thing going since winning the belts back in August. I don't really see any reason for that to change now. So I see them retaining. Wesley puts his NXT North American Championship on the line against Dijak. I'm feeling a title change here. You know, Dijak hasn't done a whole lot since coming back to NXT. He's still got some of that T-Bar retribution stink on him. Winning the title, I think, would finally help shed that. And uh, they could run it back at Stand and Deliver and have Wesley play the underdog trying to get his belt back. I think that's honestly the better role for him. The New Day defend their NXT Tag Team titles in a four-way against Pretty Deadly, Gallus, And a fourth team to be decided this Tuesday in a tag team invitational. And based on a backstage segment they did this past Tuesday, Schism looks to be involved, as well as Idris Inafe and Malik Blade. Uh, I don't know if those are the only two teams in this invitational, but I'm thinking Schism gets in as the fourth team. Uh, That is without knowing who else may be involved in this uh, invitational. 
you know, it could be Briggs and Jensen, it could be the Creeds, although the Creeds have their own program going with Jinder Mahal and Indu Share right now. Uh, I think Gallus is going to win. I think Gallus wins the titles. Uh, it could be Schism if they get in. I, I, I think Gallus. I think Gallus is going to get it. I always figured they were keeping the belts on New Day through Vengeance Day so they could just sell tickets to the show. You know, first time back on the road in a long time away from Florida. Let's get some main roster guys on the show. Try to move some tickets. I cannot imagine New Day sticking around beyond stand and deliver at the latest. But uh, I will say they drop them here because in a four-way, they don't need to be pinned to drop the belts. Roxanne Perez, who had a good showing in the Royal Rumble last night, defends her NXT Women's Championship against both members of Toxic Attraction. Gigi Dolan and JC Jane, all throughout Tuesday's show, they teased a toxic attraction breakup with Gigi and JC cutting promos on each other backstage, all building to a segment at the end of the show. They were at a table in the ring with Booker T moderating and Roxanne sitting there watching as the two of them just tore into each other verbally. JC even took a... uh, not-so-veiled shot at Gigi being a one-time YouTube sensation. That would be the uh, bloody tampon incident. I thought she cost herself any future in WWE when that happened. Although I guess it's possible. Maybe they weren't. Maybe she wasn't referring to the tampon incident. It's possible she was referring to that uh, reality show that Gigi was on when she was younger. Alright, what was, what was that thing? Uh, my big fat wedding, my big fat gypsy wedding, something like that. Typical reality TV trash that had no actual basis in reality, as it turned out. No actual basis in reality. Uh, what a surprise. That was honestly one of the saddest things I've ever seen. I don't know how many years ago it was that I saw this, that, that video of her parents talking about trying to get her married. I, th- I think Gigi was only 14 or 15 at the time. It's been a while since I've seen the clip, so uh, forgive me if my memory is faulty. But her family was already trying to get her married off. It was one of those deals where the mother is talking about how, you know, it's tradition and it's the woman's role to cook and clean and not do anything else, right? Just keep the house tidy. And I just remember Gigi, she just looked so sad in that video. So uh, who knows? Maybe JC was talking about that. I don't know. But Gigi said that uh, since we're shooting... She said, JC gets so nervous before she walks out, she pukes into a bucket. Funny enough, uh, Gigi did that also in a match once. Although she didn't puke into a bucket, she puked into uh, Joey Ryan's trunks. Joey Ryan's made a lot of uh, women puke. That's why he's blackballed from the wrestling business now. So back and forth these two went. Roxanne and Booker, they were enjoying the show, but it was all just a ruse. Toxic Attraction, they are still very much together. They put Roxanne through the table, and they each held up one end of the women's title to close out the show. Come Vengeance Day, though, only one woman can walk out with the belt. And it will not be Gigi Dolan, and it will not be J.C. Jane. Roxanne Perez will retain. I still maintain that Tiffany Stratton will be the one who eventually dethrones her for that belt. And Braun Breaker defends the NXT Championship against Grayson Walla. In a steel cage match, Waller uh, crashed a Bra- Braun Breaker training session at the PC on his uh, Instagram live feed this week. Big brawl broke out, which uh, he had somebody else there filming with his phone for it so we could all watch. 
And then on Tuesday, Braun came to the ring to go after him. They brawled again. It ended with the champion being knocked out when he ran himself into... It was it was a, a wooden barricade at ringside, I guess, behind the, the black padding. It's just all wood. So he ran himself through the wood. You know, Waller's been putting in some good heel work recently. I think he'll be called up to the main roster after WrestleMania. Uh, but he is not winning the championship. Braun Breaker retains, and then he goes on to stand and deliver to defend against Carmelo Hayes. During the show on Tuesday, uh, they cut to the NXT parking lot. Where, where And nothing ever good happens in the NXT parking lot. And we found Nikita Lyons on the ground writhing in pain. She was clutching her knee. Indy Hartwell asked her, did you get hit by a car? <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know, it just made me laugh. So uh, she's asking her, what happened? Did you get hit by a car? And I'm just thinking, well, you know, Tammy is behind bars, so we know it couldn't be her. At what point do these people start taking Ubers? to the PC and start walking into the uh, front door. I mean, how many victims must that parking lot claim before they get the message? Well, it looks like that's a cover for a legitimate injury. Uh, Nikita posted online that she tore her ACL and her meniscus. She said, this comeback is personal. Thank you to all who consistently show love and genuine support. It means the world to me. Those of you who don't see the vision, thank you too. This is just another life lesson uh, or lesson that life needed to teach. She did not say if it's a fully torn ACL or a partially torn ACL. That would obviously make a big difference in how long she's going to be out for. A fully torn ACL would be a very long layoff. Uh, last year, she suffered a partially torn MCL uh, that kept her out for about two months. I don't know if this is the same knee or not, but uh, it does not appear to be an angle. They just turned it into one. They did the same thing with uh, Hideo Itami, and we never found out who attacked him. In the parking lot. Remember when uh, Odyssey Jones hurt his knee? He needed surgery. They got an angle. They did this angle where he got laid out in the back by Harland. Parker Boudreaux. By the time Odyssey Jones came back, Harland wasn't even in the company anymore. So depending on how long she's going to be out, this could all end up being forgotten about anyway. Alright, let's do some uh, mailbag questions before I uh, lose my voice here. And then we'll uh, get out of here. Uh, Kyle from New Jersey. I was just wondering, who do you consider to be Mr. Royal Rumble? In my opinion, it might be John Cena. His resume at the event is pretty great. What do you think? It's John Cena. Yeah, two Rumble wins with with one of the biggest returns in Rumble history at MSG. Uh, And by my count, three classic title matches on that show. 2007, Last Man Standing with Umaga. 2015, the triple threat with Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar. And 2017 against AJ Styles when he tied Flair with uh, title number 16. So it's it's John Cena. Chris from Phoenix. The Academy Award nominations came out this week, and as a huge movie and wrestling fan, it got me thinking. Looking back in hindsight, who should have won Royal Rumbles and how many did WWE get right over the years? With the Academy Awards, it's rarely correct because they need time to breathe, whereas wrestling, it is usually pretty clear in the moment. What are your thoughts? The the obvious one is Daniel Bryan in 2014. That is that is the most obvious one in history. There was just no justification for him not to win that match. Uh, I think Chris Jericho winning in 2017 would have made more sense than Randy Orton, right? It didn't for them because they wanted to get the title off Kevin Owens and onto uh, Goldberg for the match with Brock. But 
It would have made a ton of sense to build their friend against friend match at WrestleMania, and it would have been higher up on the card, you know, for the championship if it was. And with the benefit of hindsight, you know, one more that I think of, as lame as last year's Men's Rumble was, and as lame as that Mania match was with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, AJ Styles would have made for a better 2022 winner to wrestle Roman at WrestleMania than Brock did. Not not that it would have been, you know, the bigger match, but uh would have been a much better match. And Mike in Lakeland, Florida. Buy or sell on the better opening to the Royal Rumble match. Tag Team Champions Axe and Smash of Demolition draw number one and two in 1989. Or the Massacre of Daniel Pewter in 2004. I'm an old school guy, man. Demolition. I gotta go Demolition. You know what a big deal that was to a young fan? Watching Axe and Smash come out at number one and two. Come on, man. You gotta go, you gotta go with demolition. Uh, keep emailing me, thesolomonster at gmail.com. Uh, I had a few more I was gonna get into. I'm, I'm just exhausted. Uh, I gotta try to get some, some rest because we got Raw tomorrow night. The post rumble edition of Raw. I'll be back live on YouTube, so. I got to get some rest, but keep emailing me. Follow me on Twitter. Thank you, by the way, to all my new followers on there from last night. At Solomonster is the place to go ahead and start following. The full video version of the Royal Rumble review is up on YouTube. I want to thank everybody who joined. Uh, I know at one point we we were rocking close to 4,000 live during the stream, which was awesome. I thank you for that. Uh, So that whole thing, all three hours plus of the review is up on YouTube right now. I just pushed the audio out as well uh, to the feed. So if you are at work or school, commuting tomorrow, wherever you may be, if you uh, would prefer the audio version, uh, give the video a like anyway, but the audio version is up for you as well. One more note, Friday there will be no live SmackDown stream on YouTube because I will be at House of Glory. This is our first show of the new year, House of Glory, the beginning, coming up this Friday uh, from the NYC Arena in Queens. This is going to be a tribute to Jay Briscoe. So all the matches on the card, it is, uh, you know, again, it's going to be in tribute to somebody who was a very big part of the HOG roster throughout much of last year, former House of Glory tag team champion right up until last month. Uh, he will be missed by many people, especially people who were on that roster, who worked with him, who considered him a friend. Uh, and so it's going to be, you know, it's going to be an emotional night, but we got a lot of good matches on the card. Uh, we have uh, JTG coming in as well to challenge Jacob Fatu for the House of Glory World Championship. Uh, I will be there as well as I am every single month. Uh, it should be a uh, very fun night. Looking forward to it. And so because of that, there will be no SmackDown stream on Friday night. There will be no audio pushed out on Saturday. If anything big happens on SmackDown, which it may well be, right? First SmackDown coming out of the Royal Rumble and all the Bloodline stuff. Uh, I will be sure to cover it on episode 794 next Sunday, as always, right back here for a brand new episode of The Sound Off. So until then, be well, stay safe. Uh, thank you for all the love this week and this weekend. I got to try to get some sleep. I will see you guys next Sunday. Until then, take care. The Solomonsters sounds off. As of today, Kofi is the only man who has declared himself for the Rumble. We're only a few weeks away. You would think that the rest of the roster would be interested in trying to win themselves a main event title match at WrestleMania, but evidently that's not the case. If it were me, I would have been the second person to announce myself for the Royal Rumble. Then I would promptly hold on to the bottom rope and I...
would handcuff myself to the bottom rope and I would stick the keys down my crotch and that's where I would lay. Until the right moment, I would uncuff myself, I would sneak up behind somebody, I would give them about five low blows and then I would dump them out of the ring. And that's how I would win the Royal Rumble. The Sala Monster sounds off. Each week, bursting with content. Podcasts, predictions, reviews, YouTube live streams, and more. Become a channel member for perks and follow the Sala Monster on Twitter at Sala Monster. Sala Monster. Sala Monster. Sala Monster sounds off.